Good morning, church. If you would please remain standing, we're going to read God's word together. And today we'll be reading from Luke, the first chapter, and we'll be starting with verse 26. And if you've forgotten your Bible or you just don't happen to have one, we have ushers in the aisles. Just raise your hand and they'll hand you one. And if you need to keep it, please feel free to do so. That's Luke, the first chapter, starting with verse 26. And if you're using one of the Bibles that we have here at the church, um, well, the page number was up there a minute ago. (laughs) In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of a greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you especially that you sent Jesus. We pray now that as Pastor Mike comes, that you would bless him so that he may bless us with the message you've laid on his heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning. You can have a seat. My name is Mike Lee, and I get to be the pastor here. Uh, I'm so happy to have you all here this morning. If you're new here today, if you've never been here before, I would sure love to meet you. And so there's a couple of ways that we can do that. Uh, One, we can meet out in the courtyard uh, right after service. Uh, Weather permitting, we're going to have a a, a fun little time outside. Uh, Otherwise, I'm sure they'll move it in here. Uh, The other way that we can meet is if you'll fill out one of those connect cards that we'll talk more about at the end of service. Uh, I'd love to reach out to you that way this week. And then finally, uh, always feel free to give me a text, 602. 2763-3331. Love to meet with you like that. So you've joined us today for the second week of a series that we're calling A Christmas Story. It's Christmas at Mission Valley. It's just a Christmas story. We're spending the, the four weeks leading up to Christmas learning that the Christmas story is a certain kind of story. Um, a lot of us have heard this story many, many times. I know in our own household, it's a tradition that every uh, Christmas morning, we just open up the Bible and we just read the Christmas story. And so it is good to hear it over and over over again, I don't think it ever gets old because what we see in the Christmas story is that it is a story of hope, it is a story of peace, it is a story of joy, and then finally it is a story of love. And so today we get to jump into this idea that the Christmas story is a story of peace. It's a story of peace. Now maybe you find yourself here today thinking I could use a little peace. Maybe you've joined us today and you think, I'm, I'm not really feeling very at peace. Maybe you would go as far as to say that the anxiety in your life is a little bit much, and even today you could just stand some peace. I think when it really gets down to it, 
peace is the opposite of anxiety. And so when we look for peace, we're looking to get rid of the anxiety. Peace is sort of the opposite of it. And so I wonder, what gives you anxiety? And as we're still kind of getting to know each other a little bit, uh, as I'm, I'm getting to know more and more of you, trying to learn names and figure out who goes with who, I thought it's just helpful. Maybe we should just get to know each other a little bit. And I'll just share some of the things that give me anxiety. Don't worry, I'm not going to call you up here on stage, but I'll just share. The list is long. Uh, here's one. Scorpions. I hate them. I hate scorpions. I hate them. Uh, th- those of you that know me know that I hate them with a passion. I-, I don't like them. We have them at my house. We didn't plan on having them at the, at the house, but we moved in and we have them there. They're scorpions. They're not like there right now. I'm saying like, like my wife's like, hey, nobody's ever going to come over. I'm not saying like they're, we're not like infested. I'm just saying we have them and I hate them. I, I hate scorpions with a passion more than I, I hate anything else. I will go out and hunt scorpions during scorpion season. I got a black light and I'll go out and I'll hunt them. And when I kill them, I set them up on the wall because I want other scorpions to know, don't come into my yard. You go to the neighbor's house. I hate scorpions. And I think that the reason that they give me anxiety is I just never know when they're going to show up. All of a sudden, one of the kids will be like, scorpion. And it's like, oh man, it just ruins my day. I hate them. Uh, Here's something else that gives me anxiety. My dogs, George and Bailey. Uh, If you don't know this about me, I have the two worst dogs in America. Uh, That's them, uh, George and Bailey. They are not particularly well behaved. Uh, They make messes and they they pass gas a lot. Um, It's just an inconvenience. And in general, just their general presence gives me anxiety. But the most anxiety-producing thing that these two deplorable dogs do is that when I take them every now and again, because they're hypoallergenic dogs, they have to go get groomed pretty regularly, like once a month we got to get their haircuts. And when I take them into the groomer, into the, to the vet to get, to get groomed, one of them will just walk in and just pee all over the floor, right? Like, if you've ever had a kid that you just are embarrassed to drop off at daycare or at church, that's me every time I take George and Bailey. They'll pee all over the floor, and then they'll step in it. They have, a, a, like, an unbelievable ability to find their own pee with their paws and step in it, and then they want to jump on everybody. And that gives me anxiety. It's one of the things. I just never know how George and ba- Bailey are going to embarrass me, and so they give me anxiety. And to be honest, there's so many other things. You'll come to know this, but there's so many things about me that give me anxiety. I was just, I was at the kitchen table last night and I was asking my kids like, hey, what else? What else? I mean, I can only think of two things. And Courtney just starts rattling off stuff. Just, it's always good to have a a very young teenage daughter because she'll just keep you in your place. So roller coasters, as it turns out, uh, give me anxiety. Lack of control, a change of plans. I'm not a big change of plans guy. Overcrowded parking lots. Don't like them. Don't understand them. I don't like to try to drive a car around an overcrowded parking spot. Uh, Craft fairs. Craft fairs will give me anxiety. Why? Because I don't know what to do there. I don't don't understand uh, the the browse walk. Have you ever been to a craft fair and you do the browse walk where you walk very, very slowly and you look? I'm just always like in a hurry to get somewhere. And so I don't understand craft fairs. And then finally this. I didn't know this until this year, but the song, Mary Did You Know, actually gives me anxiety. I think she didn't know. And I don't know why it bothers me so much, but every time it's come on the radio this year, I just like, ugh, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. Kobe and Donnie aren't going to play it. And I'm sure you all have things that give you anxiety too. Maybe you don't like public speaking. Maybe you don't like the feeling you get when a police officer is driving behind you. Sorry, I know to the police officer in the room, but just whenever you're behind us, we don't like it. We, if you could not, don't drive behind us so much, police officers. Just go around us or pull us over. Get it over with. We just don't know what to do with our hands. Uh, 
car breakdowns, uh, more bills than money, maybe that does it, deadlines. Just most people experience some degree of anxiety from time to time. And so if that's true, if we are people that experience anxiety, where is it that you look for peace? Where, where do you look for peace? I, I know this. Uh, I've talked to some people this week. Some people look for peace in books. They'll just, just sort of escape. Maybe this looks peaceful to you to just grab a book and sit by the fire and just read that book for a couple of hours or days in a row. You know, just you know, book readers that just read it for hours at end. Maybe that's you. Maybe you like to just do that. Maybe you grab a, a paper book or, or maybe just like a, a Kindle book and you just like to sit there and escape into that. Uh, some people love to escape to the mountains. This is a, a picture of, of, of Matt uh, and, and Janine Johnson. Matt's one of our elders and Janine's our first impressions and community engagement director. And that Matt loves the mountains. If you just take Matt on any day and pick him up, if you could teleport him and put him in a mountain, he would be instantly just happier. Like whatever degree of happiness he had before, if you just pick him up and throw him on a mountain, he would just get happier. It's just pretty cool. Uh, so some people like that. Maybe you can relate to that. You like to find the peace in the mountains. Some people like the beach. Uh, maybe you can relate to this. This is a picture of my kids at one of my favorite spots. It's in Carlsbad, California. And just like looking at that picture, I'm just going to look at it for a second because I just feel peaceful. It's back there too. I'm, I know it's, it's peaceful. Maybe that's it. Maybe you can relate to these places that you would go to find peace. But the problem, the problem with going somewhere or doing something to try to find peace is that eventually you have to come back to reality. The problem with escaping whatever's going on in the world to go and find peace is that eventually you're going to have to come back to reality. Eventually you'll have to put the book down or, or drive down the mountain or drive away from the beach. And when we leave the temporary peace that we have found, we tend to come back to the anxiety that we tried to escape in the first place. I think one of the truly ironic things about this time of year is that while we should be celebrating the fact that peace has come with Jesus, we're often filled with even more anxiety. If you just look around, if you walk around and see Christmas decorations, or even if you look at this sign that's right over there by those Christmas trees, it says peace. There's just reminders all over the place this time of the year that we should be feeling peace, and yet oftentimes we are filled with anxiety. Maybe you have some anxiety around people. Maybe you're kind of introverted in this idea of just being around more and more people at these different events, or maybe it's spending more and more time with extended family. Maybe that gives you anxiety. Some people around this time of the year will have anxiety around money. You might say, how am I going to buy all the extra gifts that I need and buy all this special food that has to get made for all these different events that I'm going to go to and still pay all my regular bills? Maybe you have anxiety around time. Maybe as your calendar is filling up and you're trying to figure out, how do I pack one more moment into this? How do I get one more event in? Where, where am I going to find time to decorate the house or wrap the presents or make the food? How am I going to get all of this done? Maybe that gives you anxiety. And so if that's you, if you find yourself already feeling anxious heading into this season, if you've been feeling it all year long and this season is just increasing it, I have good news for you today. As a matter of fact, I have good news that will give you reason to sing at the end of the service. Kobe just mentioned this, but there's a reason why we do the majority of our singing at the end of the service. We think sometimes you walk in here and you're just not ready to sing yet. Maybe you've had a rough day. I talked to somebody this morning that was on the phone since 6 o'clock this morning trying to deal with a water leak that was going on, a water main leak. I mean, that person's not ready to sing yet, and so we want to preach in a way that gives you good reason to sing. And so our big idea today, if you like to take notes, is simply this. Peace is not something you find. Peace is received in the presence of Jesus. 
Here's the truth, church. Peace is not something you'll find. It's something that's received in the presence of Jesus. And this is very, very good news because it means that it's not contingent upon us. We don't have to go look for it. And so we're going to look at this familiar story today. We're going to look at this story of Mary finding out that she's going to be the mother of Jesus and from it pull out four truths about where we do and where we don't get peace. And the first point is simply this. Lasting peace is not found in perfect places. Church, you'll never find lasting peace in perfect places. I think we often fall into this perception. We fall into this trap. We fall into a lie that if we could just be in the perfect place, we would find peace. If we could just get where we really want to go, if we could be at the mountains or at the beach or at Disneyland or or in that house that we've always wanted or in that city that we've always wanted to live in or in that neighborhood that we just can't seem to find our way into, if we could just do that, if we could get to that place, we would find peace. But I want us to see in this text today that Mary is not in the perfect place. Look what it says in Luke 1, 26 through 27. It says, in the sixth month, The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Let's think about this for a second. Let's just think about where Mary is. She is in a city of Galilee called Nazareth. This is a small town. It's not a particularly fantastic town. There's nothing particularly fantastic about it. Uh, It's not a particularly beautiful area. There's not a beach right nearby. There's just fantastic beaches. It's not a place that you would probably go as a destination. Like, I just want to get on a, a plane and just fly over over there, it would be so good. It's not like that at all. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's even regarded as people of that time as being fairly insignificant. We know that when we look at John, uh, the chapter, John chapter 1 says this in verse 43 through 46, uh, Jesus is just talking to some guys. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? I mean, even contemporaries of this time would have regarded Nazareth as nothing significant. It's not a significant place. Even the people of the day were not particularly impressed with Nazareth, so there is no reason for Mary to feel particularly at peace with this place. There's nothing special about it that would have given her this peace, and this is a good reminder that our peace is not contingent on our placement either. Our peace is just not contingent upon our placement. The truth is that for all sorts of reasons, placement changes. For all sorts of good reasons, placement changes over time. People move, families move, locations move. And I don't care how perfect any particular place is, it is only temporary. If you were to do this, let's just do this. Think about this for a second. Think about the most peaceful place you've ever been. Just, just do this real quick. Just, just do this with me for a second if you would. Just close your eyes and think about the most peaceful place you've ever been. Just, just do that. Just hold that place in your mind for just a second. Just your eyes closed. Just, mm, that's the most peaceful place you've ever been. Now open your eyes. Was this it? I mean, even if it was, you're out of luck because in about an hour and a half, you've got to leave anyway. Like, I mean, even if this is it, like, I'm happy for you, but, like, you're going to have to move on. Odds are you thought of something that's not here. Like, odds are some of you thought of something that wasn't here, and that's okay because it is a reminder that any place that we've been, the most peace we've ever experienced in a particular place is only temporary. 
Now, here's good news. If you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, if you've believed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, if you've been loved, saved, and chosen by God, one day you will be in a place of peace for eternity. But until Jesus calls you home or comes back, you're going to have to live here. And here in this broken world, peaceful places will be temporary at best. So maybe you're here this, day, this morning, maybe you are here and you would admit that I am not in the perfect place this Christmas season. Maybe you would say either physically or mentally or emotionally or spiritually, you don't feel like you are in the perfect place. Maybe you would say you're not in a peaceful place at all. And I want you to know that you can still have peace this season because peace is not contingent on your placement. It's just not contingent on your placement. Here's the second idea from this text. Peace is not found in perfect circumstances. Peace is not found in perfect circumstances. I think sometimes we fall into this trap. We fall into this perception of thinking if we can just get in the perfect circumstances, we'll find peace. If we can just somehow pay off the debt, if we can just get off that crazy cycle of saying, if I can just get through this season... I saw a, a, a meme this week that said adulthood is telling yourself over and over and over again for years at a time, it's just a season, if I can just get through this season. And I think sometimes we think if we can get through that, we'll get into that perfect circumstance. Maybe we think that if we can accomplish the nirvana that we are sure exists when all the laundry is washed, dried, and put away, and the sink is empty of dishes, if we could ever do that and mate every last sock, then we would be... I mean, that place doesn't exist. I mean, unicorns must walk around there. If that's your house, I want to come over, right? That just doesn't exist for most of us. But we think if we could just somehow get that done, we might have peace. But as our story shows, Mary is far from the perfect circumstance. Look at this text. Let's just remember what's going on in Mary's life. And he came to her, this angel. An angel shows up to talk to her. And he said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Let's be clear, these are far from perfect circumstances. This is far from the perfect circumstances. Mary is most likely between 14 and 16 years old. I mean, this is probably not the news you want to hear as a young teenage girl. She is not married but betrothed to Joseph. And now at some point, she's going to have to go explain to Joseph, hey, I'm pregnant. Like this is, like, this goes about how you would think it would, this is weird. This is not perfect at all. It's not ideal. She's been approached by an angel. She's being told that she's going to have a baby. She's being told that that baby's going to be called Jesus. That baby will eventually sit on his father's throne forever. And a lot of that probably sounds pretty good, except that when you peel back the layers and remind yourself, Mary is an unwed teenage girl finding out that whatever circumstances she thought she was getting ready to go and live through, they've been completely turned upside down. Whatever she was planning on, 
those plans have been radically altered. Whatever she thought was going to be the next stage of her life, what that chapter was going to look like, it is going to be significantly different. Maybe Mary had plans for a nice wedding. Maybe Mary was just picturing a nice wedding. Maybe she's like every other little girl that grew up in Nazareth just walking around thinking about how would it be so good to have a nice wedding someday. I, I know that like I have teenage daughters and I just keep thinking about all the money that they're going to want to spend of mine when they get married. And I'll be so happy to do it. I'll be so happy to do it. <clears throat> when they're about 40. And just kidding. Uh, she may, I, they can get married at 30. It's fine. She may have imagined a great day with all of her family and all of Joseph's family. She may have imagined her honeymoon. She Maybe, maybe she was imagining finding the nice little house and, and maybe making it into a home. Maybe Mary was imagining like, hey, you know what we could do, Joseph, you and I, we could have just a couple of years where it's just us and we'll just enjoy each other. We'll travel around, maybe go over to Europe, check it out before we start having kids. And then when the time is right, we'll start building our little family. Truthfully, I don't know what circumstances she may have been imagining, but I feel pretty confident that she was not expecting what happened. I feel relatively confident that Mary wasn't like, you know what will probably happen today? Probably an angel of the Lord will come and tell me that I'm going to get pregnant. That's probably what will happen. I don't think she imagined that at all. And maybe you are not experiencing the perfect circumstances this Christmas season either. Maybe you're not living through the perfect circumstances. Maybe your house is not decorated yet. Maybe you just haven't got around to it. Maybe you haven't even gone up into the attic to pull this stuff down. Maybe you're sitting here contemplating, maybe this is the year I don't decorate. Maybe you're driving around like I was yesterday looking at all the other neighbors, just actually a little bit angry at them because they make you look bad. Like, what, what's up with these people that get all their stuff done on Thanksgiving? Some of you are shaking your heads, and I feel you. It's cool. Maybe the laundry is overflowing and the sink is full of dishes. Maybe you don't like your job. Maybe the bills are stacking up and you're not sure how you're going to pay them this month, much less buy gifts. Maybe your relationships are a mess. Maybe life is just not going at all like you had imagined and your circumstances are far from perfect. Maybe there's nothing perfect about your circumstances at all and that's okay because peace is not contingent on perfect circumstances. Church, I promise you this, you'll never get it all figured out well enough to have peace because there will be always something that changes that. Something will come and disrupt that. There is no perfect circumstances, and that's okay because that is what, not what peace is contingent on. The third idea I want to have for you this morning is this, peace is not found in perfect information. Peace is not found in perfect information, and I think we fall into this one a lot, even if we don't realize it. I think we fall into the temptation to believe, the perception to believe that if we could just get our hands on all the information, we would have peace. If we could just figure out what it is that we would need to say to our kids so that they would do the things that we want them to do, that somehow we would find peace. I think that sometimes we think if we could just figure out what it is that our parents want to see from us so that they can give us what we are desperately seeking, which is their approval. If we could just figure that out, we would somehow have peace. If we could just figure out what was going on with our medical diagnosis, if we could just figure that out, if we could just get all the information information that somehow that would give us some sense of peace. If we could just figure out how to just know everything that there was to know. I've actually heard people say, I would love to believe in Jesus, but I just don't think I know enough. And for those people, they're looking for enough knowledge, they're looking for enough information to believe. 
I've heard other people say, I would love to go out and tell people about Jesus if I just knew enough. If I just had enough information, then I could go out and do it. And I think all of that points to our desire to have this perfect information. But Mary certainly didn't have all the information. Mary doesn't have all the information at all. Look at this text, verse 34 through 37. It says, And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? It's just a very basic question, like, hey, how's this going to work out? This is not a statement of unbelief. It's just a statement of, it's just a question to say, like, hey, like, okay, but like, how? How's that going to happen? And the angel answered her, well, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Mary has questions. She at least articulates one of those questions. How is this going to happen? She's looking for some information here. She's looking for some information. She's just got a question. How is this going to work out? And the angel answers her in a way that probably just leads to way more questions. I mean, he answers her in a way like, okay, I don't know that you told me anything. Think about this. Mary says, hey, hey, hey Gabriel, how's this going to happen? And the angel goes, oh, pretty simple. Uh, a spirit of the Lord is just going to come over you, and the spirit of the Most High will overshadow you. And you can imagine Mary being like, oh, that explains it. Like, I, I, I get it. That makes sense. I mean, sometimes we think that Bible times people are so different than us. But imagine if you're 16 years old and an angel comes and says, oh, you're going to have a baby. His name's going to be Jesus. And you're like, oh, cool. How's that going to happen? Oh, a spirit of the Most High is going to overshadow you. Like, uh, okay, good. Can I get, like, more? Is there, like, more information than that? Is there anything else? I bet Mary probably felt about like you would if that was what you heard. She probably has a lot more questions. Like, hey, how is that going to work? How is that going to happen? When is that going to be happened? Should I be like waiting for that? Should I like, should I like make some extra tea for when he, like when he comes over? Like, is that, what's it going to be like? Is it going to be weird? Well, what will the spirit of the Lord look like? Like, will I recognize that? Like, is that just like an aura? Is he going to be standing in front of me like you are, Gabriel, because you're kind of a scary looking dude? Like, what, what's going to happen? Is the spirit of the Lord and the shadow of the most high the same thing? Or are we talking about like a different encounter? You can imagine she's got a lot of questions. She has way less than perfect information. Not only does Mary have imperfect information about her own circumstances, but she also has been given some imperfect information about her relative circumstances. She's like, hey, how's that going to happen? And he's like, oh, the Spirit of the Most High is just going to come over you and that's going to work out. And oh, by the way, your relative Elizabeth is also pregnant. And it's like, well, wait a second. I wasn't done talking about me. Like, I haven't figured out, like, how this is going to work for me. And now you want to, like, bring in more information about my relative Elizabeth. What? She's pregnant. How'd that happen? I mean, what? She's old. Like, how did, like she hasn't been able to have a kid for a long, long time. How did that, she's got a lot more questions. How did that happen? She's probably wondering, hey, was that the spirit of the Lord too? Or like Zechariah, was it because they're married? And that, that's probably weird. Like, she's probably got a lot of questions. Did, did I miss the baby shower? She's probably wondering, like, did, did she already have the party? Because we like to get party here in, in, in Nazareth. Mary probably had a lot of questions because she has imperfect information. And maybe you don't have all the information either this season. Maybe you have questions about your faith and your beliefs. Maybe there's things about all of this that we believe that you don't understand. Maybe you don't know how all of this lines up or how all of this works out. Maybe this isn't clear to you. 
Maybe you wonder how a virgin did get pregnant. Maybe you wonder how on earth you're going to get through the next month without breaking your budget or your sanity. Maybe you wonder, how can I talk to these kids so that they'll understand me? Maybe you wonder, how can I raise kids in a world that's this out of whack right now? Like, how's this going to work out? Maybe you wonder, how can I better communicate with my family? Maybe you wonder, am I ever going to get the family that I want? Maybe you wonder how much longer the world can go on like this. Maybe you're finding yourself in this season wondering, do the doctors even know what they're talking about because they haven't been able to give me the diagnosis that I think that I need. Maybe you have a lot of questions. Maybe you question the economy or this country or all sorts of things this holiday season and perfect information seems far from you. Maybe there's nothing perfect about the information you have at all these days, but that's okay because peace is not contingent on perfect information. It's simply not. So if peace is not found in perfect places, and peace is not found in perfect circumstances, and peace is not found in perfect information, where do we find peace? Well, the truth is, church, we don't find peace at all. Because peace is received in the presence of a perfect Christ. Church, if you forget everything else I say this morning, I want you to remember this, that peace is received in the presence of a perfect Christ. Look at what Mary says in spite of where she's at, in spite of what's happening, with all of her questions. This is what Mary says in Luke 1.38. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The angel has done nothing to improve Mary's placement, much less make it perfect. She's still in Nazareth. Mary didn't get teleported somewhere fantastic and beautiful. She's still in Nazareth. The angel has done nothing to improve Mary's circumstances, much less make them perfect. She is still an unwed teenage mother who's going to have to go and explain to people that she's pregnant. Her circumstances are not really better. The angel has done nothing to improve Mary's knowledge, much less given her perfect information. She still has way more questions than she has answers for. But in spite of all that, she says, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be, let it be as you have said. That statement is a statement that says, in spite of everything, I am at peace. That statement says, in spite of everything I don't know and everything that's going on, I am going to choose to be at peace. It says, I don't need the perfect place. It says, I don't need the perfect circumstances. It says, I don't need all the information because I have a perfect God and I will find my peace in Him. I will receive my peace from Him. Mary has the kind of peace that Paul wrote about when he wrote his letter to the Philippians, a scripture that many of us just share all the time. Philippians 4, 7 says this, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. A peace that surpasses understanding. Let us be clear, in the face of logic and understanding, Mary should not have peace at all. What Mary should have based on what's going on is anxiety. 
I mean, if you were to meet Mary on the streets of Nazareth and she were to explain to you everything that's going on, she was like, yeah, you know, it was just, I was hanging out at my house and an angel showed up and he told me I'm going to have a baby. His name is Jesus and I'm not married yet. And at some point, the spirit of the Most High is supposed to come. I don't know what that's going to feel like, but it, it's just all going to happen. And she said to you, I'm, but I'm totally at peace. You'd be like, are you sure you're at peace? Because I'm anxious for you. Like, I have anxiety for you. That sounds crazy. Wow. But she has peace. She has this peace. And that's great news for Mary, but it's also good news for you and I today because it means even if you're not where you want to be this Christmas season, even if you're not, if you're not where you want to be, even if your circumstances are not good this Christmas season, even if you have more questions than answers this Christmas season, even if you don't have what you would find as a peaceful situation, you don't have to find peace. You can simply receive it. Jesus said, Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus said, peace I give to you. Jesus is literally giving peace. It's a gift. You can receive it. If you have received it, maybe you just need to remember it. Maybe you just need a reminder of it. It's a gift. It is what it is. It's the gift of peace. It's something to be received. It's what happened when God came down here as Jesus and said, here I am to save you. It is a gift. It's what it is. And if you've never received that, I want you to receive it today. The peace received as a gift from Jesus surpasses all understanding. And so the question that I have for you this morning, church, is do you have that kind of peace? Do you have a peace like that? If not, you can if you can believe. If you can believe the gospel. If you can believe that God made the world and it was perfect and it was working just like it was supposed to until man sinned and broke it. And on the day that man sinned and broke it, the worst part of that brokenness is that it led to a separation between God and man. But God loved us so much that he would not leave us in that separated state. And so he sent Jesus down here to save us. Jesus came as a baby right there in a manger to save us. He grew up to be a man who lived the perfect life that you and I never could, who died the horrific death that you and I deserved, and who defeated that death so that anyone who would believe in him could spend eternity with him. And if you can believe that, if you can believe that, then you can receive a peace that surpasses understanding. Logically, that whole story doesn't make any sense. But if you can believe it, then you can know that God has already changed your heart. God has already chosen you, and he loves you, and he saved you. You just need to believe, if you can believe. And so if you can believe, I'm inviting you to believe right now. I'm inviting you to become a Christian right now. You could do this right where you're at. You could pray. You could pray. You could just pray. This is what happened to me. I was, I was 17 years old. I was driving down County Road 31 in a 1981 Ford Bronco, and I knew that God had been chasing me down, just chasing me down. I knew that my life was not going well. I knew I had been, just been chased down by God. The gospel had been shared with me the year before, and I hadn't believed. And one day, I just believed, and so I pulled the car over on the side of the road, and I said, God, I am a sinner, and I'm sorry. I am a sinner, and I'm sorry. That's called repenting. 
I, I just repented. God, I'm a sinner and I'm sorry. I am doing things that are not the way that you want them done. I'm doing things that are good for me and not good for you. And the worst part of that, God, is that it is keeping this separation between me and you. I prayed, God, I am a sinner and I am sorry. Then I prayed, God, I believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. I need you to save me because I cannot save myself. I just sat in that car and I prayed, Jesus, save me because I can't save myself. Only you can. And then I did believe, in my heart I believed, you are the Son of God. You have come and done this. I believe in your life, death, and resurrection. And the Bible says that if you can believe that in your heart and confess that with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, then you will be saved. And on that day I became a Christian. And I received peace. My life hasn't been peaceful every day since then, but it has been. I have two teenage daughters. But I have peace. It's a gift. I've been to peaceful places. I've been to treacherous places. But through it all, I have peace. And I want that for you today. If you've never believed in that, I want that for you today. And if you have believed it, I want you to believe it again anew. I think one of the reasons that we go through the Christmas story every year, no matter what, is to be reminded of these things. To be reminded of the gift that Jesus gave us. To be reminded of the gift that we can have, His peace with us. Can you believe? Let's pray. God, we thank you for the gift of peace. God, there's so many things in our lives that make us feel anxious. And as we struggle with things that make us feel anxious, we look for places to find peace. Help us to remember that in you we have peace. That we don't have to go looking for it, Lord, that you have already given it to us. Help us to believe that today. Help us to believe that no matter what's going on with our circumstances, our placement, or our inadequate information, that we have peace with you. And God, if there's anybody listening to this sermon, anybody in this room or listening in online that has never believed in you, I ask you to do what only you can do. God, I ask you to save them. Give them the faith to believe. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.